0: Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. It's called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder. Amen. And amen. Here in John chapter number three, we come to a text this morning that uh, I could probably almost guarantee uh, that many in the service this morning was probably not anticipating me announcing as our text this morning. It seems like when we come to church on the Sunday before Christmas, we are almost pre programmed and have it uh, premeditated, and we are predisposed, if you will, uh, to hearing the preacher announce uh, either one of two or three chapters, and that's either Matthew chapter number one, Matthew chapter number two, or Luke chapter number one, or Luke chapter number two. We're predisposed to that. And uh, while uh, those may be the Christmas passages, if you will, I believe we'll see before we're done this morning uh, that the passage that we're looking at today here in John chapter number three is no less a Christmas passage than any of the others that I just named. Amen. Uh, The Christmas story. Is found right here uh, in these verses, Amen. And I, I'll say this this morning as well. I believe that you can open up your Bible to just about anywhere in the Scripture, and it be a Christmas passage. You say, Preacher, how's that? It's because this Bible is the story of Christ, Amen. And Jesus is on every page, Amen. Uh, this book is the the theme and the story of Christ coming into the world to be born into this world to be the Savior of the world. Uh, to take us from the bondage of sin and save us by His grace. That is the theme that permeates the Scriptures and unifies any passage of Scripture, whether it be in the Old Testament or the New. Uh, The the theme of God's Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the Old Testament, we're looking at truths of the New Testament concealed. Whereas in the New Testament, we're looking at the truths of the Old Testament being revealed. Uh, Christ in both, we uh, see throughout the scriptures. Amen. And so I'm thankful that even though the entirety of the scriptures could be considered a Christmas text, I'm glad this morning that we can find uh, the story of Christmas in uh, passages such as the one that we have read together this morning. Our text this morning has been as it is obvious, the first 18 verses of chapter number 3. And in this passage we find the story of Christmas in a very unique way. As a Jesus as you know here, he is having a conversation with a Pharisee that the Bible says in verse number 1 uh, was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He is a ruler of the Jews. This man was a, a religious teacher, a religious scholar, and would have known the, the Word of God. And of course I don't have to uh, preach this much to you. I think everybody in here is familiar with the chapter of Scripture that is probably the most familiar chapter in all of God's Word. And uh, If you're not familiar with the chapter, I know that you're at least familiar with the 16th verse uh, of this chapter. Probably uh, the Bible's most famous and most uh, quoted verse of Scripture. But in this passage there's a conversation taking place between the Lord Jesus Christ during the days of His earthly ministry, during the uh, beginning days of his earthly ministry, between Jesus and this Pharisee, this ruler of the Jews by the name of Nicodemus. And in this passage, in this conversation, uh, he talks about many things that we could uh, take much time to deal with this morning. We're not going to. But he deals with the of salvation he brings up that famous verse ye must be born again and he lets us know that uh, we must be born again except a man uh, be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God the Bible says here and so Nicodemus had questions about salvation and thank God Jesus has the answers for the question of how a man woman boy or girl uh, can come to saving faith amen when I when 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 I came in contact with Jesus I came in contact with the one that had the answer for my salvation problem. Amen. And I'm thankful for that this morning. But in the midst of their conversation, we find that Jesus uh, gives an allusion to what we would call uh, the Christmas story. And that may seem uh, kind of far-fetched right now to see, but we'll show you in the message how that is the case. As Jesus spoke these words in his conversation with Nicodemus, he mentions what happened over 2000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem the night that he was born he lets us know that uh, when his mother Mary gave birth to him in the lowly stable that uh, we all know about and that we see in our nativity scenes and all of those things he lets uh, Nicodemus know in a very unique way that uh, that when she placed uh, Jesus in that manger uh, in that lowly stable because there was no room for them Uh, In the end, we know the Scripture says he lets Nicodemus know that God Almighty, his Father in heaven was giving the world a Christmas gift uh, that they would would be benefited by as a human race for both time and eternity. The words of our text echo the words that the angel spoke on that night that Christ was born in Luke chapter number 2 when the words were spoken. In Luke chapter number uh, two and verse number 10, where the angel of the Lord said unto those shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you glad good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And while Jesus did not give those words to Nicodemus, he is in this text giving us the sentiment of the angel of the Lord. Words to the shepherd as we read our text here in John chapter number three. Consider the words this morning of John chapter number three in verse number 16, where the Bible says, For God so loved the world, that is pre first Christmas. Amen. God loved you before there ever was a you. God loved humanity before there ever was a humanity. The love that God has for the individuals in this world existed before he ever created Adam and before he ever breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. There was already a God that was loving the world and that was loving the world that had not happened yet, but the world that would be. There was a God that was loving them. By the way, let me just hold up on the message this morning. And, and just give you another sermon inside of a sermon and remind you that God loves you this morning. Amen. God's in love with everybody in here this morning. If you've never accepted His love, you're going to have an opportunity today, I would say here in a few minutes, but it wouldn't bother me if you came and got saved and accepted the love of God right now, Amen. it wouldn't bother me a bit. If you need to get saved, you because there's a God that loves you. He loves you so much. Our text said that he gave his son to die for you. That's a, that's a great big love this morning. Amen. The Bible said for God so loved the world that he gave. Is anybody in here this morning planning on doing some giving this week? You probably have already. Y'all probably reached into some back room or something somewhere and pulled out one of these says Merry Christmas. Isn't that nice? (laughs) Amen. I didn't wrap that. (laughs) Amen. If I would have wrapped this, it would have been in a bag with some colored paper in it. Amen. That's how, that's how men wrap gifts. Amen. And uh, unless you're my father-in-law and he wraps his in newspaper. Amen. And uh, you know which ones at the Christmas are his. Amen. Because uh, he's got a newspaper wrapped up in it. Amen. Uh, but w- we're giving these this week. But this morning I want to talk about when God gave one of these to the world. And the Bible says here, "...for God so loved the world that He gave." We have a God that not only loves you so much, but He loves you so He loves you, not only loved you in eternity past, but loves you so much that He did something about it. You know how you can tell somebody really loves somebody else? It's not just by their lip service when they say I love you, but it is the loving actions that follow the words that prove that somebody really does love another individual. My wife and children don't simply know that I love them because I tell them and uh, I'm one, I'm, I don't know how you men are. I know some men are more, uh, are, are more tender than others and more expressive of their feelings than others, but I, I'm just one of these guys, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one of these real macho guys that have a problem with saying I love you to my family. Amen. Amen. I'm not one of these guys that say, "Well, bless God, I told her the day I married her that I loved her, and if I if I changed my mind, I'd let her know." My bride here. Me, dozens of times a day that I love you. And in uh, other statements of affection, not just the words I love you, but, uh, but what I love about her and things I appreciate about her. I, I tell her often uh, the fact that she's the mother that she is to my boys makes me fall more in love with her every day. I love my wife more today than I did going on six years ago when we got married. And I hope that's the way you are with family. I'm more in love with my children today than I, were, than I was today that as we sang just a few minutes ago that I held that newborn baby in my arms and felt the pride and the joy that it gives. I still haven't lost the pride that I have in my children. They don't always make me happy and they don't always make me proud, but I'm proud of them nonetheless. Amen? I love them. I thank God for them. Uh, but, But love is shown by action. And the greatest action that showed and demonstrated love is the love that Jesus, God demonstrated when he gave us his son. Romans says it this way in Romans 5. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know how Christ died for us? How God demonstrated his love in the death of Christ? It started with him giving his son. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave this world his only begotten son. While we traverse our city in this Christmas season going from store to store along with the masses of other people on search, search for the perfect gift for our friends and our family members and maybe even that special someone, amen, that you might be trying to get uh, give for. uh, while we as a nation collectively spend millions of dollars trying to get uh, the right gifts for those that we love in order that we may see the look of surprise and joy on their face when they receive that gift and when they open it up and see what's on the inside. Amen. Let us not forget that there is a God in heaven who has already given the greatest gift that could ever be given. Let us not forget that God has already given the world the most perfect gift when he gave us his son. No one has ever or ever could uh, give a gift that is greater than the one that God the Father gave this world all of those years ago when he placed the best that heaven had in that manger, in that stable, in that little town of Bethlehem. Do you realize that God when he gave the world a gift, gave the best that he had. And I don't, and I know the songwriter says he searched through heaven to find a Savior. God didn't have to go through all of the heavens and hunt for the best thing he had. He knew what the best thing heaven had was. And it wasn't streets of gold. And it wasn't jaw, well, jaws, walls of jasper. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm quoting Worldly movies in the pulpit, Amen. A movie I've never even seen all the way through. Amen. My words got walls of Jasper, not jaws of Wasper or whatever I was about to say. Amen, I don't need to be getting dyslexic in the pulpit. Amen. Things happen. Amen. y'all forgive me. It wasn't the walls of Jasper. It wasn't the gates of pearl. It was the street. It wasn't the streets of gold. It wasn't, it wasn't even the saints that had gone on before the earthly, the earthly birth of Christ. It wasn't Abraham, as great as Abraham was. He's in the hall of faith. He was the father of the faith of the Jewish nation. But he didn't send Abraham. He didn't send Isaac or Jacob as a gift to the world. He didn't send David, and he didn't send Samuel, and he didn't see him send Moses or any of the great saints of God of the past. He knew exactly where he could find the prized the jewel of all of the heavens. Amen. The Bible calls him a pearl of great price. So, Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have to hunt. He knew exactly where it'd be. He gave the best that Heaven's had when He gave the world the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave the greatest uh, gift this world had ever known before and He gave a gift that the world would never be able to quite know uh, in such a way since. It was better than anything they'd ever had or anything they ever would have. He gave a gift that would meet every need that they had ever had. He gave uh, a gift that would meet every need they had had and every one they ever would have. He gave a gift that would fill every gap that sin had left. He gave a gift that would heal every heartache and every heartbreak. He gave a gift that would last longer than our lifetime and it would outlast the existence of the world that we know now and would, would exist far into the world that is to come. He gave a gift that is unparalleled by any other substance and a gift uh, that could only be, it was so wonderful that it could only be provided by the supreme God of this universe. That's the gift that God gave this world. I thought about this gift. This gift and this passage and this how God gave this gift several years ago. I told y'all Wednesday night and gave you one illustration of my days that I spent time working in a in a roses department store about this about meditation. Many of y'all may remember that from Wednesday night that we're here and how God used that job uh, to help me with my meditation upon the scriptures and taking a passage or a verse and while I worked all day without a Bible in my hands, being able to still. get truth and still internalize the Bible by thinking about a verse all day long and applying it to my heart. Well, while I was working there, I had the privilege of working there several years which means I worked in a store during Christmas season for several years. And I'll say this, if you think that going into a store during the Christmas time and we we were a small store, I couldn't imagine working at some of these large stores. But if you think going in to a store is hectic at Christmas time. You should try working at one. Not just go in at your at your own leisure and do what you want to do. And uh, I'm sure my wife uh, would probably doesn't want to see the inside of a Walmart ever again. Uh, out of these last few days of going and shopping and spending hours there just trying to get out of the store. she would have been done shopping for an hour. Trying just to get out with the two lines that are open and the 450,000 people that's standing wrapped around the building. Amen. Y'all know what it's like going into a store at Christmas. Try working at one. Where you don't go in at your leisure, but now you've got to apply all of the rules that they put on you while you deal with the chaos of the hour. I worked in one. And to be honest with you, it was somewhat interesting. It was never a dull moment. And I remember one of the, right at the end where Christmas was directly upon us, my boss had me, he had me put at the very first register where almost everybody wants to come and come through my line. And I'm a, I, I like, I, I'm a pastor, and y'all know I like people, and so I wasn't a pastor then. But uh, one of the things I think is a qualification for this uh, office is to have a heart for people. The Bible calls it being given the hospitality. So I enjoy, I enjoy to getting to have conversations with folks. And one thing that, and I don't know, I understand this a little bit with your barber. Uh, I'm not this way, but some people, they go into the barber shop or they go into the, 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 the beauty salon or whatever, and hair, the, the people that cut hair have to be really good Listeners. Uh, I kind of understand that a little bit because you hear everybody's life story at the barbershop or whatever, but I didn't realize that people do their cashiers the same way sometimes. Uh, but, uh, Brother Tommy, when I mean, I'm mean i talking about hundreds of people coming through my line in these weeks and it seemed like almost every one of them felt compelled not only to put their stuff on the counter, which is my job to ring it through, put it in a bag and hand it back to them and collect their money, but to tell me through each item why they're getting that item. There was a story, Brother Kyle. There was a story behind every single gift. And it was interesting the way some people's brains work. Here's what, here's what I'd hear. I would hear that there they, they got this because they thought it was just the perfect gift for this person or for that person. I saw it and I, I didn't come, I hear this all-heard it all the time. I didn't come in here for this, but I saw it and I knew that's the gift that they needed. And so through that time I heard about how folks would, uh, would purchase their items and they'd come through and they'd talk about how this was a gift uh, that was just the perfect gift. And they thought that they had the perfect gift. And I also would hear this frequently. They would say, this is the perfect gift because it's not a one-use gift. It's not a one-moment gift. It's not something like those toys that we get our children at Christmas by. Uh, the time you give it to them on Christmas morning, it's all pristine and it's intact. And then with, by the time you lay yourself to bed on Christmas even, uh, evening, it is in a million pieces. That's not the greatest kind of gift to get. Amen. If you if you live with my children, it's got to be virtually indestructible. If it's going to make it just a couple of hours, I've watched Wyatt. I don't know why I'm telling so many stories this morning. It's Christmas. I guess I can do it. Amen. But uh, but I watch. I've watched Wyatt before. Take a gift. You put it in his hand, brand new, and he goes. I broke it. All of a sudden you had it for five seconds. Anybody remember your kids doing that? Amen. Not the only ones. Amen. Uh, uh, He's looking at me like he's in trouble. He's not the only one that does that. Amen. You're good buddy. You're not in trouble. I love you. He still hadn't figured out daddy talking about him in church. He wants to know why I'm doing that. But they would tell me it's not a one-time gift. Here's the way they put it, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Throughout the year, throughout the decades, it'll last. And it's a gift that keeps on giving. And y'all know how if you try to walk with the Lord, you spend any time in your Bible, there'll be things that you'll hear people say, and especially us preachers are real bad about it. We'll hear something somebody says, and we'll say, there's a message in that. And this is the message that was in that. When I heard them say, this is a gift that keeps on giving, you realize that the gift that God gave was not a one and done gift, but it is a gift that from that day all the way to this day is a gift that has lost its ability to keep on giving. It has not corrupted, it has not failed, it hasn't broken, it is still just as efficient and just as wonderful and just as joyous today to be able to have this gift in your life as it always has been. And I'm going to get ahead of myself by saying this, but one of the reasons why it's a gift that keeps on giving is because the gift is the Lord Jesus Christ and He cannot corrupt and He cannot break and He cannot falter. But as long as He lives, which will be forever, amen, as long as He lives, we have this gift. And from our generation, to our children's generation, to their children's generation, to all of the generations to come, this gift, not this gift, but the gift of God's Son is a gift that keeps on giving. With the time that I have left this morning, I want to preach on that thought, the gift that keeps on giving. In this passage of Scripture, I want us to look at what the Bible says here about this gift that keeps on giving. Look with me, please. I'm going to have to hurry through some of these, but notice with me what the Bible says in verse number 16. As we consider the gift that keeps on giving, I want to first of all notice the sender of this gift, the one who sends the gift. Notice what the Bible says in John three sixteen. The Bible says For God, for God. God is the one that gave this gift. Let me say this this morning, as we think about the gift that keeps on giving, as we think about a gift and how we give gifts, the uh, the first thing about the gift is there has to be someone to give the gift. There's prob- probably just about everybody in here you were going to occupy in a few days if you have not already the role of the sender of a gift. Whether you send it in the mail or you send it from your hand to somebody else's hand or from your hand to their tree or whatever the case may be, uh, there, but, uh, there's some, you're going to be a sender of the gift. In the sending, and the sender of the gift, I want to notice that in sending the gift, we see the gift relinquished. You say, Preacher, what are you talking about? When I purchase a gift, and I give it to someone like I give a gift to Brother Kyle, if I'm the sender of the gift. There has to be a time, if I'm going to send it from me to him, hold on, amen, you should do better at this, man, You you know, watch, there has to be a time that the sender has to relinquish the gift. Can I say this, that when God gave this world the gift of His Son, He took what He had, something that only belonged to Him, and He extended it to the world for the purpose of relinquishing it and giving it to us. Do you realize that there was a time in eternity past where the only person that enjoyed the privilege of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ was the rest of the Godhead? the Father and the Spirit. He was, Jesus was something that only heaven had. Something that only belonged to Him. When God gave His Son, He gave what only belonged to Him. When I've bought my wife and my children gifts this Christmas, and when I bought all the presents that we've bought uh, to give to folks this Christmas, at this point... Even the ones that I've got my wife or my children, my, my own family nucleus if you will, they're still mine, Brother Wes. My money paid for them. Technically even the gifts that she bought me are mine, because I paid for them. Amen. They're going to be mine anyway. I paid for them and they come back to me, I just don't know what they are yet. Amen. Which is okay, I'm okay with paying for my own gifts, they don't bother me. Amen. But when I, what I've bought her this year, those gifts, they're gifts that I would never use. You know why? Because they're for a lady. But at this time, they're mine. You know why? Because they're still in my hand. They're still in my possession. I've purchased them. They only belong to me until I decide to relinquish it. On Christmas morning... I've bought them for the purpose of relinquishing them one day. The sender of the gift has the privilege of relinquishing the gift. The sender of the gift buys the gift, has the gift in his possession in order to relinquish the gift. When we give gifts in this life, that is what we're doing. We are buying something for the purpose of relinquishing it. Amen. One of the greatest aspects of the gift for the one that receives the gift is who it's from. I hope that outside of maybe the smallest of children, I hope there's nobody in here that'd be rude and crass enough to tear into a gift without ever paying attention to who gave it to you. I hope hope everybody in here is polite enough to where you at least look to say, okay, this is from so-and-so. And then you tear up into it. And then I hope you give them the nod or the words of, thank you for this. To me in my life, one of the most special things about the gifts that I have are gifts, from, uh, gifts that I've received from someone. From who, the, it, the special thing is who it came from. I was telling some folks in the church recently a memory that I have of Christmas. I love watches always have. From the time I was these kids' age, even my son's age, I've always loved watches. This gift, this watch is special to me because my mother-in-law bought it for me for me to wear on the day that I was ordained to be a pastor. When, they, when those men, those 12 men laid their hands on me and ordained me to the gospel ministry, I was wearing this watch she bought it for that. I never wore it before, and I've wore it almost outside of a few times here almost every time I've preached since, because this is special, because of who it came from and why it was given to me. One of my most precious memories of Christmas revolve around a watch. My, my dad, I got this, not this watch, but the, the love of watches from my dad. My, my, everybody in here knows that I lost my dad when I was sixteen. When, when, when I was growing up, one of the, our family's traditions was because. Because as a child it is so hard to wait to get all your presents on Christmas, my parents, we finally talked them into letting us get a gift, one gift apiece on the 23rd. The way my parents did it, I I don't have a clue how they afforded it. All of the presents under the tree we got on Christmas Eve. And then from wherever they were housing the other gifts, the big gifts, that's Christmas Eve, we got our socks and our clothes and different things like that. But it would be a tree full for us three kids. And then late Christmas Eve, early Christmas morning, they would bring out the bikes and the big things and uh, all of the things that we had asked for that we were anticipating all year. We got that on, and it would be just the same amount of stuff. I mean, they'd just dump it all out again. But on Christmas Eve, or the the day before Christmas Eve, the 23rd, they'd say, y'all can go under that tree and you can have a gift, but we get to pick it out. My siblings, they were excited about getting a gift, but they weren't as excited about their gift as I was, because they knew that mama was going to pick a shirt for my sister. And socks or other forms of undergarments for my brother. But my mom let my dad pick mine. And because my dad got, he made sure he got me or they got me together a watch every Christmas. A brand new watch to wear, because I'd wear them out. And uh, it wouldn't always be very nice. I went from the toy watches all the way to the nice watches that my dad would wear over the 16 years of my life, and it was, I knew what I was getting the 23rd every year, and it would be a watch. And my dad would come and he'd give it to me, and we'd just talk about how much we loved the watch. A lot of times he would have bought him one, and he'd get me one just like his, and we would match. It was a wonderful memory for me. You know why it was a memory? Because of who it came from. I remember up, I still have, even though the watch is broken and the face is smashed, I still have the very last watch my dad ever gave me at the house. Right before he died, the Christmas before he died, he gave me a watch. It was a little $5 watch that he had bought, but I I loved it, and we rejoiced over it. And even though it's been busted up down through the years, I can't let go of it because of who it came from. One of the most special things is realizing who our gifts are come from. The sender of this gift is none other than God Almighty. The Bible has a lot to say about the man, the individual, our God that sends the gifts. Let me just run through a few of these with you real quickly. Psalm 18 and verse number 30 says this about the, about the one that sends us the gift of his son. The Bible says that the sender of our gifts, the Bible says this, Psalm 18 verse 30. The Bible says, "As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. Psalm uh, uh, 97 in verse uh, number 1 says this, the Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness around about Him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of His throne. A fire goeth before Him and burneth up His enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened. uh, The world, the earth, saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare His righteousness and all the people shall see His glory. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endureth to all generations. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He hath made everything beautiful in His time also he had set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Verse number 14, the Bible says about the sender of our gift, he says, I know that whatsoever God doeth it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the Everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. In Isaiah uh, chapter uh, number, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, number 57, in verse number 15, the Bible says this, For thus saith the high and the lofty one. That's a good description of the one that's giving a gift to us personally. Amen. The Bible said, for thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell, uh, we, uh, I dwell in the high and holy place with he uh, that is of a contrite and humble spirit to receive the spirit of the humble and to receive the heart of the contrite ones. Amen. I'm thankful this morning for who sent the gift of his son to me. Amen. You could read passage after passage about how wonderful He is. About Him being the creator of everything. Do you realize that the creator of it all gave you the best that He ever had? The only thing He has that He did not create, it was beyond His creation. Because it was God Himself as well. Amen that's the sender of our gift. Thank God this morning that God is the sender of the gift. He's the one that's relinquishing what He has into your hand. Number two, let me hurriedly give you this one. Not only the sender of the gift shows us the gift relinquished, but I want to say this, I want us to notice the scope of this gift. We see the gift received. You see, when you give a gift the sender relinquishes the gift, but in order for it to truly be a gift, somebody has to receive it. I take what's in my hand, I relinquish what's in my hand, and he takes it in his hand and receives it. That's how it's a gift. If it's not received, it's, not much, it's a purchase, but in order for me to gift it, he has to choose to receive it. Here's what... Our verse is saying this morning, the gift that keeps on giving is not just in the sender of the gift in the fact that God relinquished Jesus from his hand to ours, to our availability to receive, but the fact that, thank God, we can receive that gift. I hope this morning that you have received the gift of God's Son into your heart and into your life. Amen. Romans chapter number three tells us, for, that, tells us that, that there are none righteous, no not one. You know why this gift of God's Son is so important? Because there's not anyone under the sound of my voice here in my presence this morning or listening online, there's no one in this world that doesn't need what I have to give. That's what God is doing in giving this gift. Everybody needs God's gift. I can give you something, and it it may be something you want, But it may not necessarily be something you need. But when God gave the world Jesus, He gave us what we needed. Now we're living in a world that doesn't always want Him we're living in a world full of people that if they had the choice between a million dollars or Jesus, they'd choose the money every time, that may be what they want but it's not what they need it's not what you need this morning if you're not saved if you're not saved this morning, the greatest need you have (coughs) the greatest uh, greatest gift you'll get this Christmas is if you receive the gift that God's given you know why? it's a gift that keeps on giving (coughs) I'll say this about the gift that I received as an eight-year-old boy. I received it then. I received Christ into my heart and life then. And it's still giving to me blessings. It's giving me blessings in this life. And the greatest blessing that I'll get is not in this life only, but it's in the life that's to come. This life will give, and we'll see it in our text, but what this life gives or what, what, what this gift gives in this life is great, but what it gives in the next is even greater. Amen the scope of this gift. Notice what the Bible says. I use the word scope because we see who and not only needs the gift, but who can receive this gift. <clears throat> Notice what the Bible says. For God so loved the world. And I don't care what the Calvinist group says, that phrase, the world, does not mean the world of the elect. Amen. It means every single person. God wanted you to know what he meant by the world so much that he defines it later on in our text. He says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you know, the, 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 the scope of God's gift is not for a moment. It's a gift that keeps on giving because it's not for a moment, and it's not even for a time, it's not even for a person. It is for all times, for all moments, to all people, and if you're part of the whosoever crowd, and by the way, that's everybody, you can receive the gift. The scope of the gift shows us the gift received not only who needs to receive it, but who uh, but, but uh, who can receive it, whosoever can receive. The gift is for the world. every person in the world. The gift is for whosoever. So we see the sender of the gift. We see the scope of the gift. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Number three, we see the substance of this gift. In the substance of this gift we see the gift revealed. The gift revealed. Notice what the Bible says there, for God that shows us the sender of the gift, the gift relinquished. So love the world, that shows us the scope of the gift, the gift received. But then the Bible says that He gave His only begotten Son His only begotten Son is the substance of the gift. In that, we see the gift revealed. You see, when you give a gift, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes when I say this, because I ain't being critical of nobody because I fall in this category. But the best gifts you can give are those that look like this. For me as a child, the most fun gifts to, to, to get were the ones that were wrapped. I would have been okay with somebody wrapping my gift three or four times, just so I, in or just on top of each other, just so I can keep tearing tearing into it. Amen. Be like some of those nesting Russian dolls. You just pull it off, and there's more. Amen. I, man, that'd be fun at Christmas time, wouldn't it? Somebody's going to try that on their children next year. Amen. But the best gifts, in my opinion—now it's my opinion—are the ones that are wrapped. The ones that are concealed. You know why you wrap a gift? Two reasons. To hide a gift or to secure a gift. There's either things in here that need to stay in here and you put it in a box and you wrap it up and it gives it more security, but mainly to hide a gift. God gave, and and, I, and again, I, I want to make I want to mention this this morning. Do you realize that when God gave a gift to the world, He didn't give one in a bag with a bunch of pretty paper on it. And God help if it's covered in glitter. I can't handle the glitter. Amen. <laughs> amen. I just can't do it. But amen. But God gave a wrapped gift to the world. And. We'll see in a verse here in just a minute, and I promise I'm landing this thing. But I want you to see this next thought. Because here is God gave us a gift. He gave us the gift of His Son, and He gave us a gift that was wrapped. Take your Bible with me to Luke chapter number 2 this morning. Real quickly. This is the only time I'm going to preach today, so y'all help me just get through the message this morning. Amen. Luke chapter number 2. <clears throat> Luke chapter number 2. Look with me at verse number 7. Famous verse. Notice what the Bible says. I still hear some pages. I want you to put your eyes on this this morning. The Bible says, and she, this is speaking of Mary. Brought forth her firstborn son. That's Jesus. Remember, we just saw in John 3 16, that's the gift that heaven that, that God the Father gave to the world. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him. Do you see that? She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Look with me at verse number twelve. <clears throat> This is the message from the angel to the shepherds. After they tell after the angel tells them for unto you this born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, remember, that's the gift. Jesus is the gift. Look at verse twelve. The angel says, and this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe what's the word? Wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. God gave the best that he had and in giving the best that he had he wrapped it up no doubt to make this gift as enjoyable to whosoever were to whosoever would choose to pull back the wrapping of the gift and they pull back the wrapping by the way it is to hide Amen. Do you realize, and I I wish I had time to show you this, you do realize that in Matthew's account of the Christmas story, the Bible says that after Jesus was born, there was a day that they hid him from Herod. He was wrapped and he was hidden. He was a gift. By the way, John 2 said that Jesus said that the time for him to be revealed had not happened yet. That time for him to be revealed to the world at large would not happen until John chapter, uh, John chapter number one and verse number 29, where John the Baptist opened up the gift and he showed the entire world what was inside. Here's how he revealed Jesus to the world. He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Outside of a select few people, because He was hidden, because He was wrapped, because He was not revealed yet as God's gift to the world publicly, there was only a few people who knew what the gift contained. Can I say this? When it comes to our Christmas that we're going to have with our family here in a few days, me and mama know what's inside those boxes. Me and mama know what, those, what the presents are that the boys are getting and that other folks are getting. We know what it is. There's just a select few in our house that knows. But when those boys come into that living room on Christmas and they pull back all of this paper, all of the wrapping, they throw out all of those uh, those little pieces of colored paper and things in their bags, or I don't really know what all we've got as far as wrapping yet, but anyway, when they open the gift and they pull that top off or they pull that thing back and they look and it's revealed to the inside of them, uh, to, the, uh, to uh, the inside of the package what it is. The revelation makes all the difference. They'll stand back and say, wow. Can I say this? When it comes to the substance of the gift, Yes, gifts are to be secured. I believe God secured His Son. I believe Galatians four telling us that Jesus was made of a woman, made under the law, born of a virgin. Amen. I believe He tells us that Jesus came right at the right time. Amen. He was secure in the timing that He arrived on the scene of the world when Micah five two and Luke chapter two verse four through seven tells us that He'd be born in Bethlehem. I believe He came just to the right place that God wanted Him to come, so that when He revealed Him. He'd be at the right time and He'd be in the right place. I believe Isaiah chapter 4 verse number 7, excuse me, Isaiah 7 and verse number 14 where the Bible says that He'd be born of a virgin. Amen. I believe He came by the right method. God made sure His Son came by the right method. He was secure. Amen. He was kept secret. They hid Him to the moment of His revealing and I believe because of all of that, when it opened it up, that gift was what it was supposed to be. It was special. Gifts are to be secured. They are to be secret, but they're also to be special. Here's what I'm saying. You know how I know Jesus was special? In the Bible text, is because everywhere somebody came in contact with Jesus, they couldn't help but praise the Lord for him. You think about Mary, we get an entire chapter in Luke chapter number one, before Jesus was ever born, God had already revealed uh, to Mary what that gift was going to be, that she was going to have God's gift to the world, that she was going to have a gift that keeps on giving. She was going to give birth to Christ, and from that moment she couldn't stop praising God for it. When the shepherds came and it was revealed to them and they saw that baby in the manger, in in that manger saying, the Bible said, they left leaping and praising God. They were worshiping when they left. The wise men came, and even as a two-year-old boy in a house several years after his birth, when the wise men came and they presented him, they brought gifts. They knew how special he was. They knew how important he was. But when they saw him, they rejoiced. Simeon and Anna, eight days after Jesus was born, these older folks just coming to worship God in the temple, they meet an eight-day-old baby Jesus, and both of them give God praise. You know why? Because the gift was special. It was revealed to them what it was, and they had joy in it, just like our children are going to do, just like we're going to do. When we open up the gift, there's joy in that. Here's the last one I'll give you, and I'm done. The gift that keeps on giving is a gift that keeps on giving because of the sender of the gift in that we see the gift relinquished. We see, number two, the scope of the gift, in that we see the gift received. Number three, we see the substance of the gift, in that we see the gift revealed. Lastly, we see the supply of the gift. In this, we see the gift's reward. The reward that it gives. Finish out the verse with me this morning. I won't take the time to even turn to it. preach. or Finish out the verse with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What did the gift of God's Son provide for the world? Everlasting life. The reward that you get from God's, by the way, you open a gift, it's revealed to you. There's some reward to it. You've got something you didn't have before. When I opened up the gift of God's Son in my life, and I received it into my my life as an eight-year-old boy, you know what I got? I got rewarded with something I didn't have before. What I didn't have before was everlasting life. Amen. I was under the wrath of God for my sin. I was unsaved, I was unredeemed, I was a child of the devil, I was headed for hell, I was headed for eternal damnation, destruction and death and hell, but when I got saved as an eight-year-old boy and I accepted the gift of God's Son, a gift that keeps on giving into my life, I received for the very first time everlasting life the supply of God's gift. I got something I didn't have before. Let me ask you this morning, have you received this gift that keeps on giving? Let me ask you sinner friend, uh, if 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 you choose today to accept all of the gifts coming to you this week, you're not going to turn them down. Why would you turn down the best gifts you could ever receive? Those gifts are going to go by the wayside. They're going, to, they're going to corrupt, they're going to fade into non-existence in some day. But the only gift that you'll be able to take with you even after your death, amen, you won't take your cars, you won't take your knickknacks, you won't take, uh, you won't take your toys with you, uh, amen, into, into eternal life, whether you go to heaven or hell, you'll take nothing with you, but you can take what this gift will give you, everlasting life. Amen. Do not enjoy the rest of Christmas unsaved without knowing the true meaning of Christmas. Don't receive another gift without receiving God's gift of everlasting life. It's the best you'll get this Christmas. And if you can point yourself back in your life to a Christmas or to a day, the very first Christmas you ever had where you knew the true meaning of Christmas and you realized that it wasn't about gifts under a tree, but you realized it was about a gift that was put on a tree on the cruel cross of Calvary, if you remember that day where you were saved and received God's gift, you ought to praise God for it. It ought to transform every Christmas you have because that gift and all the multitude of other gifts, they'll give, but this one, thank God, God, the gift of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will keep on giving. I'm thankful this morning for a gift that keeps on giving. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.